Open your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We are making our way through the Sermon on the Mount. And we have arrived here at chapter 6. And we're going to talk tonight about, really, the um, first half of chapter 6, I guess you'd say. And um, get some lessons from about the kingdom. It has been our focus uh, throughout this series, and we will continue that. We've been looking at this particular section of the Sermon on the Mount, which really began in chapter 5 and runs through the middle of chapter 7, and that is the righteousness within the kingdom. We talked about the citizenship, being citizens of the kingdom in the first part of of chapter 5, and now we're dealing with the righteousness within the kingdom. And then... The last major section, um, beginning in verse 13 of chapter 7, will be the plea to enter into the kingdom. So this is really a a very broad way of dividing up the sermon. Um, But we can see how what's important and what we keep seeing over and over again is the kingdom. And so we'll see that again tonight as we go. So tonight what we're going to look at is... um, practicing your righteousness. So in chapter 5, what we looked at last week, our Lord spent a great deal of time um, clearing up some misconceptions and some, uh, some false teachings about certain ideas. And, and the idea was that there's a level of expectation, uh, a, a level of ex- expectation as far as righteousness goes. Uh, if you're going to be a member of the kingdom, if you're going to be in the kingdom. We go back to verse 20 of chapter 5, and it says that you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on to talk about how your righteousness can indeed surpass um, that of the scribes and the Pharisees. And so now we get to chapter 6, and he's going to really start talking about putting your righteousness into practice. And he begins right away by saying here in verse 1 of chapter 6, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. Now, I want you to, to keep that verse in, your, in, your, in the back of your mind and, and keep going back to it as we go through this section because it, each one of these things he's going to speak about about praying and giving alms and fasting, is going to keep coming back to this idea of how it is that you practice your righteousness. He's going to compare that or contrast that with how the hypocrites um, display their so-called righteousness. So he's going to keep coming back to this, but he's starting off by saying that don't be doing this to be noticed by men. The contrast to that is the hypocrites, you're going to see as we go through this, do this indeed to be noticed by men. And then there's also the idea of the reward here. The reward that the hypocrites are going to have, we're going to see in each one of these examples. And the reward that the one who's practicing righteousness has is the same in each example. We're going to see that as we go through as well. But remember this about the idea of practicing your righteousness to be noticed by them. That's what we need to be aware of. We don't practice righteousness to be noticed by men. But there's a reason why we do indeed practice our righteousness. 
So let's begin by looking at um, the first thing that he talks about that here, and that is the giving of alms in verses 2 through 4. And pick up in our reading in verse 2, it says, When therefore you give alms, do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be honored by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your alms may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. So right away what we see here, and we're gonna, you're, you're going to notice how these are, 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 are exactly the same in each example here. It starts off by saying, don't do as the hypocrites do, right? Don't do as the hypocrites do when, you, when you're giving an alms, and that is don't sound a trumpet in the synagogues and in the streets. This is what the hypocrites do when they gave their alms. They wanted people to notice. Remember, to be noticed by men. This is how the hypocrites do it. They practice it to, be no, to sound like a trumpet, to be noticed by men in the synagogue and in the streets, to be honored by men. That was the reason that they were doing it. And Jesus says, as he's going to say with each one of these, they have their reward in full. If they want to be noticed by men and that's their uh, motivation behind what they're doing, then they have their reward. Men are noticing them and that's where it stops. But of course we know that there's more to it than that. Not as the hypocrites do. But you, the instructions here given to the disciples of Christ, is what you need to do is don't let your left hand know what the right hand is doing. Now, we've probably heard that expression uh, before, certainly in Bible classes and sermons and probably outside in the world as, as well. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And I love that expression. I love the way that that... Um, the imagery that that conjures up, that if I'm going to be giving alms, if I'm going to be being charitable to people in the world or to brethren or whoever that might be, I do it and then I walk away. I don't do it to be seen by men. I don't do it to sound the trumpet, to call attention to myself. I do it and then it's forgotten. And why? Because that's what we're supposed to be doing. Galatians 6.10 while we have opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially those who are of the household of faith. We have the responsibility of doing good. But our Lord is saying, you just do it, and you move on. You don't do it for the show. And he says that you give alms in secret. And that's what he's talking about here. You know, we don't do it, um, and then to use a, a, a modern analogy, we don't do it and then put it on Facebook, right? We do it and then walk away from it. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to do it in secret. And he says, your father who sees in secret will repay you. So think about the contrast here that's, that he's setting up. If you're doing it to be seen by men, then that's, that's your reward. You have that in full. But if you're doing it out of practicing your righteousness, you do it in secret. And the Lord knows. He's the only one who will know. And it says there that he will repay you. So the reward that you get is the reward from God the Father, which is a much more substantial and long-lasting reward than anything here on this earth. Next, our Lord talks about praying. And this is the longest section here. And it's really uh, kind of divided in um, a couple of 
sections within this. We have the, the parallel of what we just talked about, and then we have within this the model prayer. We're going to look at the model prayer uh, separately as we go. So what chapter Matthew chapter 6. Mm-hmm. Um, it's beginning in verse 5. It says, And when you pray, you are not to be as the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners in order to be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. Now let's stop right there, um, because this is the parallel passage to the ones we're talking about here. So he talks about praying, again, don't do it as the hypocrites do. And what are they doing? They stand in the pr- to pray in the synagogues and on the street corners. Sounds like the giving of alms, doesn't it? This is how the hypocrites do it. And why do they do it? They do it to be seen by men. Exactly the same as in the giving of alms. They do it to be seen by men, to be noticed by men, to bring glory upon themselves. And our Lord says they have their reward in full. If that's why they're doing it, then to be seen by men, then that's the end of their reward. They have it in full. He says, but you... What do you do when you pray? He says to go into your inner room and shut the door. We think about what that means. And and he says there that you pray to the Father in secret, and the Father who sees in secret will repay you. Again, we're talking about two in this example. You and the the God, your Father. That's it. Pray in secret. Your Father who sees you in secret will repay you. Now, this always comes up when we talk about this. What about public prayer? Public prayer has its, has its place. And we see in Scripture public prayers being offered, and that's perfectly fine. But even with those, we don't do those to be noticed by men. We do those to be heard by men so that we can pray together. But we're not doing it to call attention to ourselves. We're doing it to offer thanks and, and thanksgiving and petitions to God our Father. But when we're praying by ourselves, we don't do it to be noticed by men. When we pray at a restaurant, you don't do it to be noticed by those who are around you. You do it because that's the right right thing to do. You want to pray and offer thanks for the food you're about to take, and that's perfectly fine. But we don't call attention to ourselves and stand up and and hold up our hands and and those those things that, that, that might call attention to ourselves. We just quietly bow our heads and pray, and that's perfectly fine. We don't do it as the Gentiles do. Let's pick up here in our reading back in verse 7. So in this section, he's going to talk about another example about the Gentiles. Verse 7, And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. For if you forgive men for their trans... 
Forgive men for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. So we have a little bit more about prayer that our Lord offers in here. And here he says, do not do this as the Gentiles do. And how is it that they do it? They do it with meaningless repetition. They do it um, to suppose that they may be heard by many. And we've probably heard these kind of prayers in a public setting. Flowery language, um, repetitious, offered uh, to bring glory and to bring honor upon the one giving it rather than to give glory and honor to God the Father. You've probably been in a situation where that has taken place. Be supposed to be heard by many. He says, but you, he says, when you are about to pray, understand this, that the Father knows what you need before you even ask him. So that tells us about our prayers. No amount of flowery language uh, and, and rhetoric is going to get us what we're asking, what we're petitioning from God. We petition God from the heart, honestly, giving him the glory, petitioning him humbly. That's the kind of prayers that need to be offered. And, and understand this, that God, God knows before you ask. So why do you think that anything that you might say to augment, to flower up your, your language is going to help you in this? They're to be made from the heart. That's how the petitions are to be made, because God the Father knows what you're going to ask before you even ask him. So our Lord uses this as an opportunity to teach his disciples how to pray. And so what follows next is what we have deemed the model prayer. And I wanted just to go through this. This is not um, exhaustive in its um, um, explanation or, or commentary about the model prayer, but I wanted to, to talk about each one of these things a little bit, and especially in the context of what we're talking about here in the righteousness in the kingdom. So in the model prayer, we have this, who, how it starts off. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So our Lord is teaching his disciples that right away there, there's a recognition of God the Father. When he, tell, he says, when you pray, pray this way, our Father. So there's a recognition of God the Father, where he is, our Father who art in heaven. There's a recognition of where God dwells. He is the God of heaven. That's where he dwells. And then the honor of his name. Hallowed be thy name. And there's honor just in the very name of God. So recognizing that from the beginning is a very good way to start your prayer. Recognizing who it is that you're praying to. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is a recognition of um, petitioning the coming of the kingdom because, because of who God is and because of the plans that he has made and the fruition of those plans. Jesus is saying this is the petitioning, petitioning of the coming kingdom because all of God's plans have come to pass to this point. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is recognizing and, and getting his disciples to recognize that this is God's plan. Whatever it is that he might have planned, it's going to come to pass. And he's petitioning for the kingdom to come. And indeed, it has come. Remember what we keep saying. 
What was Jesus' message when he started to preach? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So he's telling them, look, petition God for the coming kingdom, and it's here. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Give us this day our daily bread. We understand that. We understand about petitioning God to provide for our earthly needs. There's nothing wrong with that. We need to do that. We know that God provides for his children. We talked about that last week. We're talking about the rains on the, on the just and the unjust. God provides for everyone in this world and especially for his children. But it's okay to pray and ask him for that, for that daily sustenance. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. God only forgives those who forgive others. If you look down there in verse 14, we read this a minute ago. It says, For if you forgive men their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. We understand this principle. We also understand it from a parable that our Lord teaches. Look over in Matthew chapter 18 for just a moment. Matthew chapter 18. Our Lord teaches this parable beginning back up in verse 22 about forgiveness. What it means to forgive. And we know, he says there in verse 23, for the reason the kingdom... Uh, of heaven may be compared to a certain king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. And we know how the story goes. Um, that there's the slave that uh, is, uh, verse 24, when he had begun to settle them, there was brought to him one who owed him 10,000 talents, but he simply said, I do not have the means to repay. His Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children, and they have repayment to be made. We come down and we know what the conclusion of all of this is in verse 35. So shall my heavenly Father also do to you, if each one of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. We have a responsibility and a duty to forgive each other. It's pointed out in this parable. It is pointed out here, as our Lord is giving this this model prayer. Forgive our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. That's a responsibility that we have. And if we don't, God's not going to forgive us. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's understand this about about God. In James chapter 1 and verse 13, James reminds us that God tempts no one. God does not tempt anybody. But he understands man's nature. He understands that, that we can walk down that path that leads us into temptation. So our Lord is saying, petition God not to do that. He knows our nature, so please deliver us from evil. Lead us away from danger and from evil. Not be tempted. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And this just simply means this, that all things belong to God. The kingdom and the power and the glory. All things belong to God. Amen. So be it. So in this prayer we see how our Lord lays out how we should pray to our God. doesn't mean that we recite this by rote. Because of the very things he just said a minute ago about the Gentiles. About being repetitious. 
We don't do this by rote. But we recognize the things that our Lord has put into this. Recognizing who God is. Recognizing that he will carry out his plans and make them come uh, to fruition. Asking God for our daily needs. Forgiving our debtors. Not leading us into temptation. These are things that we can put into our prayers. As we offer them to God. The last section for this is this section on fasting. So let's read these three verses here at the end, beginning in verse 16. It says, Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face, as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance in order to be seen fasting by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you may not be seen fasting by men, but your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. So here again, our Lord's talking about fasting, not as the hypocrites do. And how is it that the hypocrites do? They put on a gloomy face. Why? So that they can be seen, uh, and they neglect their appearance, so that they can be seen fasting by men. So our Lord is saying that those who are fasting, everybody around them knows it. Because they're putting on the, their, their gloomy face, they're not taking care of themselves. So people know that they are fasting. And our Lord says again, that they have their reward in full. If they want to be recognized by the people around them that they're fasting, then that's their reward. But you, when you do it, anoint your head. Wash your face. Don't put on the gloomy face. Don't stop taking care of your appearance. You take just like you would normally. You take care of yourself just like you normally would. Anointing your head with oil, washing your face. Why? So that you're not to be seen, not to be seen fasting by men. So if someone were to look at you and, and wonder, they're not going to wonder that you're fasting. Because why? Because you're taking care of yourself. And that's to be done so that you're not seen fasting by men. And again, the Father in secret. This is, this is how it's to be done. It's to be seen by the Father in secret. Not to be seen by men. And it says, our Father, he will repay you. Those who do this to be seen by men, they have their reward in full. And that is the reward for men. Jesus is saying, God the Father, he will repay you when you do it in secret. Notice this about these. Each one of these things, the giving of alms, the praying, the fasting, our Lord says almost the exact same thing in each one of these. Not as the hypocrites do. Not as the hypocrites do. To be honored by men, to be seen by men, to be noticed by men. They're doing that to be noticed, to be honored, to be seen by men. That's the, th that's the reason that they're doing the things that they're doing. Yes, they're giving alms and praying and fasting. That's okay. They're not doing it for the right reason. And that's what our, so much of this sermon is all about. They have their reward in full, each one of these. They have their reward in full. What does our Lord say in secret? 
The Father who sees the secret will repay you. We're to be doing it to be noticed by the Father. And that's it. No one else. We're to do these things in secret. And our Father who sees in secret, our Father who knows that we're doing these things and sees it, He's the one that will repay us. Not men. They have their reward in full. So I mentioned about this verse, and so hopefully this rings a little bit more as we notice it again. Verse 1, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward for your Father who is in heaven. Don't practice your righteousness to be seen by men. Practice your righteousness to be serving God. To be seen by the Father. Those who are doing otherwise, who are doing it to be seen by men, they have their reward. But if you're doing it in secret, you have your reward with God the Father. Practicing your righteousness. There's a right way and a wrong way to do it. And our Lord so eloquently lays it out here. But you're doing it for your Father. You're doing it for service to God, not to be seen by men. I hope this has been encouraging to you. We're going to pick up next week talking about laying up treasures for your, yourselves in heaven. We move on through as we go through the, the lessons here on the Sermon on the Mount. We offer an invitation as we do each time we close. In just a moment, we're going to sing number 230. You'd like to be turning there, number 230. This world is not my home. So the things that we do, the righteousness that we practice, are not treasures that we're laying up here on earth. They're treasures that we're laying up in heaven. And this song helps us to understand that, that this world is not my home. These things that we're doing, the treasures that we're laying up, they're not of this world. They're of the, the next world, the next life. If you have uh, needs of the congregation, uh, you can let that be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.